Reagan, welcome to Babe Town. You're okay. All right. Here's the thing, though, is I thought we were still in the not rec- not re- like keeping it in section. I thought we were in the cut it out section. Sorry, tough shit. Not my fault that you didn't pay attention to when our podcast started recording. I knew when we started recording, but oh I didn't fault. realize all that about your air conditioner or heater or whatever it was. Oh, first of all, we're alive. We do not have an air conditioner. You sweet summer child. My mom put an air conditioner in her house immediately when we moved to Alaska. <laughs> wow. She's a monster, though, so I'm just kidding. That sounds really wrong if you don't know that I love my mom. She yeah. likes things really cold to the point that when her window froze shut, she tried to help me, like, have me help her pry it open. And I was like, Mom, no. It's this too is a sign much. that it's, it's much. meant to stay shut. Yeah. I 100% guarantee that I'm going second this week. Yeah. I believe that. I mean, mine's like normal times. I would be like on the cusp, but if you guarantee, then like I, I wait. Know. Can I guess when yours is born? You please do. My God, I I <laughs> love when you guess my shit on the show. <laughs> um, I'm gonna guess. Guess her name. Guess her birthday. Guess. Her... Uh, well, I I there is no way that I can guess her name. Is her first name Violet? No. Is it Vanessa? No. Is it Older name. Veronica? No. Newer name. Veronica. No. Older name. Bastity. <laughs> Ew. No, not that either. Okay, no. I'm I I don't know the name, but birth year, I'm gonna guess like I'm gonna shit my pants if you get this right. I'm gonna guess like eighteen No. damn i told you right on the cusp at normal times like 1920s okay okay well see and i was gonna guess like 1890s because i feel like the like that like 30 to 40 years yeah it's right yeah Yeah. um all right well welcome taylor (laughs) welcome to (laughs) paved <laughs> oh man, the the coherentness, coherency. Yes. Okay. Uh. Right. Hi. Hi. How are you? How was your week? I'm. G- it was a lot. No. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's just like it, in normal times, what the amount of stuff I did this week would seem like only fun things and not very much. Yeah. But but in in new terrible times. Yeah. I am exhausted. <laughs> and so all I did today was a brief brief very slow easy yoga and then watched Harry Potter Deathly Hallows part 1 and 2. Oh, dynamite move because I was just like I I'm so drained from the very little that I did. Yeah. That feels like so much. It's also that thing of like social interaction now is so exhausting. It's nice because it's It's rare, but it is exhausting. I am wiped. Yeah. I'm wiped. Although I did my like highlight of this week is we have this kitchen table that Trevor's had for years. I don't know how many years, probably close to a decade. Who knows? And it's, 
really sturdy. It's a great table. And it looked terrible. Because <laughs> it was like really, really light, light wood, and then bright silver legs. And I was like, this is such a good table. And I hate the way it looks. And so this week I finally got stain and paint and made it like a really dark wood and painted the legs black. And so now it like fits and I like it and it doesn't draw attention and it like fits with the rest of the apartment. Because our whole like apartment aesthetic is like, like dark woods, black, um, what's the word that I'm looking for? Appliances or like, yeah, uh, you know, like dark wood and, and, and metal, um, with a little bit of like dark blue, dark red, some mustard, you know, like there's a few pops of color, but it's like very, um, rustic looking. And so being able to do that project that has been looming for, I mean, however, like at least a year, if not more. Yeah. It just made me feel so much better to have that like huge project done. And it took very little time. <laughs> yep. But just going to the store and getting the stain and getting the paint and doing the whole, you know, it just feels like this huge project that I can be like, Chick. yeah, definitely. How about, how about you? How was your week? Um, terrible. <laughs> it was terrible. I <clears throat> had, um, so I was telling Joanna, I, you know, my head is a constant, um, but to varying degrees. So like a lot of times it's just kind of in the background and, um, I, I can go for a couple hours without really noticing it. And sometimes it is just that it knocks me on my ass. And last Monday I woke up, um, feeling terrible and I went to work. I came downstairs and, um, at like, I, I start work at eight and like eight 45, I texted my boss and I was like, Hey, just kidding. I'm going back to sleep. Like I can't do this. And luckily like both, both my direct boss and his boss who used to be my direct boss, um, both of them have chronic pain. So they're both super understanding and super like they have never once made me feel like I shouldn't be using my leave or that I, you know, should try and push through it. Like never once, which is, it's not cool at all that they have chronic pain, but it's very cool that they can do that. It's really cool that they get it. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's one of the things that will make me stay in this job probably for as long as they work there, because it's just so rare to find employers who get it. So they're the best. One Um, reason I love my job is because all of my higher ups are women. Yeah. Like all of my direct managers, supervisors, the people above them, the people above them, the people like all of them are women. Yep. Yeah. Anyway, continue. So I, so I called out Monday, most of Monday, um, and then worked on Tuesday, but was barely productive at all. Like I just couldn't do anything. And then Wednesday worked till about 10 before I had to call out. And then Thursday worked, but literally went to bed at 5.15 and then woke up the next morning. Like, I slept for, like, 14 hours straight. Um, And then Friday was exhausted. Saturday, I slept for another, like, 12 hours Friday night. 
Saturday woke up, took a nap. Cause I, like, it's just been a week of just yeah. being exhausted, like just in pain and just wiped out. Um, and Sunday I was starting to feel a little bit better. And yesterday was kind of the first day that I felt like, okay, my head hurts, but it is a level to which I can like actually think and right. be able to get up and move around and do stuff. And so that's, that's part of the reason for the same thing you were talking about with that table that I made bread yesterday, finally, because yeah. I was like yeah, yeah. something that I've been saying for a long time. And this is about as much energy as I have. Right. Um, and it was really nice and fun and made me feel like I accomplished something. So then I made eclairs today because same thing, like it was the same. So I think that that's probably going to kind of try and try to be my, <laughs> this is a real small project, but it is something that makes me feel like I did something and was yeah. able to accomplish something hundred percent that doesn't require a whole lot of energy because I rarely have that. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, I'm all about little projects that make you feel accomplished. Yeah, it's the best. It's so nice, especially, mm -hmm. especially this year. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like they're nice all the time, but especially right now. Um, Somebody was asking me recently, like when I became so into plants and I was like, honestly, quarantine, like I've always wanted them because I feel like they make a home really warm and like feel homey to me, but they feel like a manageable project day to day. Because mm -hmm. most days I don't have to do anything. And then I water them and then I make sure they have sunlight. And then occasionally I repot them or I propagate them or whatever. And it makes me feel super accomplished to have these things that I care for that grow and yeah. flourish. And it makes me feel like I'm doing something. Yeah. Yeah. 100% agree. So that was, I mean, it's starting to feel shitty again. Today has been harder than yesterday was. Um, it's just been, I don't know. It, sometimes it really like hits me in the face that this is like a chronic illness that I have, that this is not just like, <laughs> yeah. like, oh yeah, my head hurts. It's like, no, this is like an actual, like an, a whole thing, which yeah. is strange and so many people have it so much worse so I feel weird even just being like even just acknowledging it is that doesn't invalidate your pain yeah and I was you know it I was reading a thing there's um a really great migraine blog um that has it's not just like anybody writes into it but it's like a dedicated you know six or seven writers and um they all obviously get migraines and and many of them have it to the extent that I do, uh, if not worse, which I can't imagine. Um, but 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 something that they talk about a lot is that like, hey, like the World Health Organization has designated migraine as being as disabling as things like quadriplegia. Like mm. you're not making it up. It's super valid. Like it is not it is not extreme to call it a disability that is what it is it is disabling you from living life normally every day like that's yeah. that's what it is and it's okay to call it that even though it feels like it's it feels like you should say it's just a headache you know because that's how so many people 
think people, of them. People who've never had it refer to it. Yeah. And people, you know, all the time they'll get a bad headache and be like, oh, I've got a migraine. It's like, oh. maybe, but also maybe not. <laughs> like, yeah. maybe you just have a really bad headache. Um, anyway, that none of that really has any point. But it, this week, all of it that does, kind though. of hit me in the face a lot. Like, it was a lot of me having to, like, tell myself this is it's okay that you're going to bed super early because you've had this for a year and a half and it hasn't gotten any better. So like there's been no change. So I don't know. It's just a lot of, it's just a lot. It is. (laughs) But I think it's important to note that like there's not a limited amount of difficulty in the world. So like you don't have to feel like you need to take up less, difficulty because other people are going through more you know what I mean like yeah there's room for all of it unfortunately but there's room for all of it and so you being in an incredible amount of pain and discomfort does not take away from somebody else who's in an in even more pain or discomfort or a different kind of pain or discomfort yeah both can and do exist simultaneously yeah that's a good point. I mean, it's just, it just, part of it, I'm sure, is my just constant anxiety and, like, yeah, so my week uh, was very hard, but um, I made bread and I made eclairs and the eclairs turned out delicious. Like, nope. the, I made, I made shoe pastry, like, <gasps> on GBBO, because that's how you make eclairs. That's what it is. And so I had to make stew pastry and it turned out really good. It turned out really good. Wow, I'm so jealous. I had to like temper chocolate. Like I had to do all of the like Great British Bake Off shit. It's Mary Berry's recipe. It's very fun. Will you please send me that recipe because I would like to try. Yeah, it's in her her recipe book. I got it because I was like, okay, like all of these people on Great British Bake Off talk about how like they got into baking by just working their way through her cookbook. So like. I'm going to try it. And I got it. And this is the first thing that I've made from it. And it was so easy to follow and turned out so good. I'm wow. very, very excited about it. I'm going to make, she's got a cherry pineapple fruit bread that's in there. So I'm going to try and make that this weekend. Cause that sounds dank. Wow. That's so exciting. I love that. I will definitely send you the recipe. It was Thank really you. fun. It only took like an hour. It was really wow. short. That's awesome. great. Yeah. So I love that for you. So my eclairs are my babe of the week. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, Speaking of what are you drinking? I know it's red wine, but what kind of red wine? Girl, you know, it's boxed. It's boxed. boxed I love that. It's me. It's boxed. Is it Cabernet? It is not. It's actually a Shiraz. Is is that a thing? Yeah, it's a Shiraz. I'm just pronouncing okay, it like I'm an app. I'm there. I'm I'm there. I'm <laughs> caught up. I see what you did and I met you there. Great. Yeah, it's a it's a Trader Joe's Shiraz. Mm. Um pretty cheap and very delicious. Mm. How about you? Um, what you drinking? You drinking that clow? I am drinking that clow, but I'm nearly done with my clow, so stand by one second. I'm gonna get a bat squatch. Uh so you guessed that my babe was born in nineteen twenties. <laughs> yes. My babe is actually born in 1924. Cute. I'm going first. Yeah. Oh, yeah. My babe was born in 1947. (laughs) Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm going for it. Okay. So, So, Taylor, 
Have you ever heard of Vicky Drabes? Vicky. Yeah, Victoria was her, Damn was her it. name. Victoria. I always no, I've not. Okay. No. Uh, okay. <clears throat> Settle in. So, uh, I think her maiden name is pronounced Manalo. It could be Manalo. I'm not really sure. Okay. Uh, so I may mispronounce this. I do apologize. Anyway, so Victoria Taylor Manalo was born December 31st, precious, New Year's Eve, baby, 1924 in San Francisco to a Filipino chef and musician named Teofilo Manalo and an English maid named Gertrude Taylor. So her parents' interracial marriage at the time was technically legal because there was a law in California made in 1880. Obviously, it has been overturned. But it it prohibited white people from marrying minority ethnic groups, including, quote, Mongolians. But the law couldn't figure out if Filipinos counted. And so technically, <laughs> isn't that the most horrendous thing you've ever heard? Like, we can't, we can't figure out if we discriminate against you. So we're just going to assume yes and no. Like, I'm so glad that they were able to be married. Um, that is the most racist loophole I've ever heard of yeah. in my life. Yeah. It was super socially frowned upon for them to be married. But technically they could. Because by, in the eyes of the law, they were like, no, I don't know if that counts. What? <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. So she went by Vicky. Victoria went by Vicky. So Vicky had an aunt who was another English woman married to a Filipino man. And there was a ton of peer pressure for her to divorce that man. And she refused. And after that, there was a mysterious elevator accident that she died in. Her aunt? Her aunt. And so a, f- a family friend who was interviewed in 2015 said that after the death of her aunt, Vicky learned to walk with her head down to avoid glares. Which is... Wait, why Why was there a lot of pressure for her aunt to divorce this guy? Because she was an English woman married to a Filipino man. Oh. So it was another interracial marriage. Oh, a batshit reason. That was... Yeah. A oh, I see. The bullshit reason. Yeah. Okay. Because they were like, technically, you can do this because of the law, but you shouldn't because we're racist white people. Wow. Um, so because she was mixed race, she learned to walk with her head down quite literally to avoid people's glares. <sighs> really upsetting. Um, so Vicky grew up with her twin sister, Connie. They had an older sister named Frankie, and they had a younger brother named Sonny, but he died as a child. Um, Vicky initially wanted to study ballet, but they couldn't afford lessons. They were a pretty poor family, so she took to swimming instead. Are you doing a swimmer? I'm doing a diver. Oh, my God. I'm doing an athlete. Really? Uh, yeah. Yay. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> yay. Um, yeah. I... I love her. And I, I can't wait to tell you how I found her, but that's at the end. Um, so at the time, public pools um, were... Everything sucks. Just yeah. everything. Yeah. <laughs> so... That's the name of our episode. Everything sucks. Literally everything sucks. Everything so sucks. Public pools were limited to white people only, except for one day a month 
when people of color were allowed to swim. And then, after that one day, the pools would be drained and cleaned and refilled for the next day. So at this point in my research, I like was just typing a rampage. Because why do we learn about none of this? I feel yeah. like our American history was summed up as like, there were different water fountains and then the civil rights happened and now everything was hunky dory. And like, yeah, we're never taught about any of this. And so we continually, like, as you and I keep researching and learning about these women in different levels of history, we keep finding these like deep lacks in education in our schooling on racial history in the U S and I think that's why so many people think that the U S isn't a racist country or it's like somehow past like racism is behind us or whatever, which absolutely quite honestly is not because they would like, there's also no federal standard for what goes into curriculum. Right. So if you are in a Southern state, the likelihood that you are getting a very whitewashed view of history which is not to say that that does not happen in other states, because obviously it does. Like, no, it is not in American education, any of this shit. I mean, it's the, it's the whole history is written by the victors. Right. Bullshit. Yeah. And growing up in a southern state, being educated in a southern state, our education in Oklahoma was like, there was the land run, and like, people cheated, but ha ha ha, it's fine. And the trailer. Like you were in, you were in Oklahoma. Did you learn about Black Wall Street in no, Tulsa? No, I learned about the Tulsa race riots massacre. Excuse me, maybe a year ago, less. That's crazy. I, I mean, it's crazy that anybody in this country did not learn about that. I didn't learn about that in in school, but it's crazy that you were in the state that it happened. I was an hour and a half away. I know people who grew up in Tulsa who got their education in Tulsa, never heard about it. They literally just omit it. That's disgusting. That's it's terrible. It's really horrendous. And so just the idea that they would drain pools and clean them, the insinuation that people of color were dirty. Yeah. It's such a deep insult. And it's in addition to not being able to use the pool except for once a month. Like all of it is just so awful. And we were not taught any of it. And so I'm really really glad that you and I are learning these things. And I feel like more of the country is learning these things. But it's just so infuriating that we have to. That the work is on us instead of on our education. Anyway. That's my rant for now. We'll see if I get back to it. Who knows? I'm into it. So anyway, Vicky takes up swimming and she's swimming in a saltwater pool and learned from the mission Red Cross. And so she's kind of like kind of self-taught, kind of like picking up what she can. And then in high school, this dude named Phil Patterson discovers her and he's a super dope diving coach. He worked at a place called the Fairmont Hotel Swimming and Diving Club. And he's like, hey, you're real good. You should train with me. And she was like, that's great. I'd love to, but I'm not white. And he was like, oh, true, 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 true. So you should go by your mom's maiden name, which is Taylor. And then they can't say anything. And she said it always bothered her, but like, okay, might as well. And so then after that, it inspired Phil Patterson to start a separate diving team. 
that didn't discriminate and he called it the special team. But Vicky was always like, why does there need to be a distinction? Right. Why can't we just, and she's absolutely right. And she made a comment in one article that was like, I never knew how my dad felt about it because he just never commented on it. Um, But she felt like she was not abandoning his name, but like she felt weird about having to masquerade. Right. Of course. Under her mother's English name. Of course. That's not her. Yeah. Yeah. So in 1943, she's 19. She meets Lyle Draves. Hard eyes. Hard eyes? Hard eyes. Good. So she meets Lyle Draves at the I always get so school. worried when like dudes come into our stories because so yeah. often they are so yeah. shitty. So Phil, Phil Patterson is is thumbs up but not hard eyes. Um, oh my god, I we have so many parallels in our story. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> so so she meets Lyle Draves at the Athens Athletic Club in Oakland and he starts teaching her to dive. But he's like really precise on diving board fundamentals. So he basically makes her start over because he's like, all of your form is wrong. All of this is wrong. You need to start over. And she's already performed in national competitions. And so she was talking about how frustrating it was (laughs) to like have to be treated like a complete novice. Yeah. When she's like, I know how to do this. And he's like, yeah, you know how to do it wrong. So stop it. Um, so after he retrains her, she goes on to win five U.S. diving championships in two years. Wow. Three wow. years after they begin to train together, they get married. And the same year they got married, she won her first national title. So he wow. also introduces her to his friend, Sammy Lee, who is a dynamite diver. She and Sammy Lee become besties. Um, and then Lee, like, just supported her throughout her career. He will come back later. Anyway. So, 1948, Vicky has qualified for the Olympics, and she represents the U.S. at the Summer Olympics in London, and she's performing both springboard and platform diving. You can watch them on YouTube, and it's super cool because it's like the, like, transatlantic transatlantic accent, like, introducing, like, so-and-so from Sweden or whatever. Yeah. And they're, they're all doing, like, these really basic, elegant dives and then Vicky gets up there and she takes a running start and does like flips and shit and her splashes are tiny like it's diving just is crazy to me in general it's so crazy I don't understand it's so crazy how you know which way is up or how you train your body to do these things it's such a bizarre sport to me yeah and I am so into it. I am so impressed by it. I could watch it for hours and hours. It's one of my yeah. favorite Olympics events. Yeah, 100%, 100%. So good. It is so yeah. fascinating to watch. So she's like leaps and bounds above everybody else. So this entire paragraph, I'm going to read you from an article because it was just so elegantly written. Great. Quote, I was thinking, please, God, help me recall Draves on her final plunge. I remember sitting by Sammy. I was so nervous that I would shake between each dive as though I was cold. I remember saying to Sammy, I can't do this, Sammy. I'm not going to make it. And he said, you came all this distance and you're going to give up. Get up there and do what you're supposed to do. I got up there and I tell you, it was like somebody else did that dive for me. I sort of sailed through it and I knew I hit it when I was underwater. And I thought, oh boy, thank you, God. It was sort of euphoric, I guess. I don't know where it came from. Mm. I love her. So, 1948, she wins a record two gold medals. 
She is the first Asian American to win a gold medal at the Olympic Games. Uh, she was also the first female, period, to win at both the three-meter springboard and the 10-meter platform. Yeah. The like, springboard? Is that like, is that like they like... The bouncy... They like stuff. run and like jump off it's, of a thing? No, it's like the, like a classic diving board at like a like a pool. Oh, but it's just like the springy, the spring one. And then there's just the stick, like the sturdy platform that they run and jump off of. Gotcha. Okay. So she, she won it both. And she was the first woman to do that. And then she was the first Asian American period to win a gold medal. Um, so life magazine, you love to see it. Love to see it. So life magazine named her one of the two best athletes at the games. She went on to join the International Swimming Hall of Fame in 1969, and in 2010, at Vicky and her twin sister Connie's elementary school, they renamed it the Victoria Manalo Draves Park. Mm. So after she wins, Hollywood is like, knock, knock, you should be in the pictures. And she was like, no, thank you. So instead, she chose to perform in family water extravaganza shows that were popular at the time. What does that even mean? What does what that mean? Like? I bet they would make a killing in Branson. I have no <laughs> idea what they are, but I want to see it. Yeah. Family water extravaganza. No idea. So she starts touring the U.S. and Europe with Buster Crab's Aqua Parade. Oh, my God. Can you imagine getting drunk and going to Buster Crab's Aqua Parade? Dream. Yeah. Dream. Honestly. As soon as quarantine is over, let's do it. Let's revive it. Let's revive it. Still going, which I would die. I haven't seen billboards for it in Branson, but I wouldn't be surprised. Okay. Let's uh, go find something like it. Minimum. Yeah. As soon as there's a vaccine, that's a crab's aqua parade. Into it. Great. So then she and Lyle settle down and set up training programs for young swimmers and divers. They have four sons that they raise in Southern California. And that, I mean, pretty much that's it. Vicky died of complications from pancreatic cancer in 2010 when she was 85 years old. Mm. Yeah, that's pretty much the whole thing. So adorable side note, her friend Sammy Lee was the first Asian American man to win gold. But he technically won like after she won. So she has first Asian American period title. And then he has first Asian American man to win. Oh my goodness. Right? Uh, So the reason I found her is that on August 3rd, 2020, on the 72nd anniversary of her Olympic gold, she had a Google Doodle dedicated to her. Oh, I love finding ladies through Google Doodle. I love Google Doodle. And so then their website had the cutest thank you. It said, quote, Thank you, Vicki Draves, for inspiring people everywhere to aim high and take the plunge. Aww. And that's U.S. gold medalist Vicki Draves. Isn't that precious? Stellar. I, I love, love that. Her. I love her so much. Uh, short, sweet, wonderful, everything good. Um, so I got a lot of my information from, like, Olympic.org, Wikipedia, yeah. Uh, this website called inverse.com, google.com, and then there was a website, teamusa.org, that had a beautiful article written by Todd Kortemeyer, and it mm. was just precious and wonderful, and I love Vicky. 
Wow. That was great. Isn't that precious? Yeah. Good work. Thank you. Um, Okay. Well, our stories are very similar, which I love. Um, Mine is also fairly short. So all these lucky son of a bitches listening into our podcast are probably like, (laughs) fucking finally. Finally won the dress one after in 20 minutes. (laughs) Whatever. You guys, shut up. All of you. Um, All right. Reagan, are you ready? Have you ever heard of Catherine Switzer? Is she an ancestor to Barry? I don't know who Barry is. It might be the wrong name. I might have just made a real big idea myself. No, I haven't heard of Catherine Switzer. Tell me everything about her. <laughs> okay, great. Um, Catherine Switzer. Spoiler alert, you already know she's an athlete, but you don't know what kind. I do. Um, she was born in Amberg, Germany in 1947. Uh, her dad was a major in the U.S. Army. So she's an Army brat. So she moved back to the States in 1949. Um, they moved to Virginia. She graduated from George C. Marshall High School in Fairfax County. And that's pretty much all I know about her childhood. Well, Fairfax County, though, a classic. That's it. Sure. Um, So eventually she heads to Syracuse University in the late 60s. Um, She was pursuing a degree in both journalism and English literature. Okay. That's all you need to know about her early life. Okay. So um, Catherine was like super into running. Okay. Spoiler alert. She's a runner. Oh, my God. Um, There was no women's running team at Syracuse, though. So she just started kind of hopping on to the dude's training team. <laughs> so she would just see them, that. like, running around and just start going with she them. She just starts running <laughs> I love that so much. So much. Um, so she starts unofficially running slash training with the men's team. Because um, what are you going to do? You can't, like, make this woman stop running after right. you. What are you going to do? So um, enter Arnie Briggs, okay? This is her mentor who is not hard eyes but big thumbs up great um, job. even though a couple of a couple of little bumpy spots but usually just usually thumbs up. big thumbs up um so arnie first of all also his name is arnie like how can you not just be a fan um I'm a huge fan so he's this 50 year old dude who is still like running look at your pup just licking your arm can you hear her <laughs> <laughs> my end like here is like wow I'm such a fan I left in pup noises last week probably leave in pup noises oh, this week please continue with Arnie I love that she just came in and was like I'm gonna give you a bath <laughs> you're filthy it's time <laughs> um, okay so Arnie is this 50 year old dude he's still running with the Syracuse University team Arnie has run 15 Boston marathons by the time that he re- meets her. Um, he, oh, he's the university's mailman. That's what it is. I had just forgotten that. that mailman. He's the mailman. So he just runs with the team to like keep running. Um, so he thought it was just pretty fun that like a lady had joined up with the team and come out to run because she was the first person to have done that because like, <laughs> Yeah, of course. He's like, I follow him too. <laughs> so he just thought it was kind of funny and like thought it was cool that she did that. So they start 
becoming friends. Um, and he slowly becomes her unofficial trainer slash mentor. Right. Beautiful. So as they're running, he would like tell her these stories about the Boston Marathon and like just told her about a time that he was running and like somebody opened a car door and he ran into it. Like no. just all of these just crazy stories. Also, um, I just hope, you know, I'm picturing them like delivering the mail in the morning, just jogging from dorm to dorm and well, it's, putting in the mail as he's telling her these stories and they're getting in a jog. It's just so sweet. It's hilarious too, because he's like, I mean, he's like a 50 year old runner. So he's like this like older bald dude who's like very wiry and she's like the epitome of late 60s like she's got like like hair shoulder length but like somehow like kind of triangle shape you know like thing that I avoid with curly hair at all costs it's so good I love it um so so he's telling her all of these stories so in 1966 um Catherine's out running with Arnie and they're running in a snowstorm because it's Syracuse, New York in December. And they don't care. They don't give a shit. Um, They had gotten to the point I wrote in parentheses, just runner things. (laughs) (laughs) Running in a snowstorm. (laughs) Yeah, whatever. Um, How's the mail today? Yeah. So there he's telling her more stories about the Boston Marathon. And she finally told him, quote, let's quit talking about the Boston Marathon and run the damn thing. Which, like, my queen. I get it. Um, I mean, not about the running the marathon part. But right. About, let's, talk, let's stop talking about it and let's do it. Let's just go ahead and do again. it. Um, and so, so part, of the, part of the thing that I didn't realize until reading this, so first of all, most of this, most of the information that I got um, is from, like, her website. And it's an ep- excerpt from her memoirs. So it's, like, just her telling her own story, which, Beautiful. like, top notch very into it. Um, But the thing that I didn't really realize about the Boston Marathon in the late 60s is that it predates the London Marathon, the New York Marathon. It predates a marathon being part of the Olympics. Like, like if you were going to do a big race, it was the Boston Marathon. So it was really crazy that Arnie had done it 15 times. Like it, it would be like, it would, it would be like somebody doing Mount Marathon over and over and over also, and over. Also, I just real quick want to calculate how many miles that means he'd run just in the marathon. Just in the marathons? Yeah. Okay. 26.2 times 15. Whoa! It's 393 miles. That's so long. That's too many miles. That's too many miles. Wow. That's so long. I wonder what's 393 miles for me. Continue. Um, so, so she says, let's just go do it. And Arnie says, no, a woman can't run the Boston Marathon. And she's like, bitch, we're already running 10 miles a night. Like, I just have to do that twice in a row and I'm most of the way there. Like, what do you mean we can't do it? True. And um, so Arnie said, quote, no dame ever ran the Boston Marathon. If any woman could do it, you could. But you'd have to prove it to me. If you ran the distance and practiced, I'd be the first to take you to Boston. And she was like fucking deal bud so they start training because arnie is sticking to his word he doesn't think she can do it but he's like yeah man if you can do this great okay page turn page turn and um sound effects galore all over the place um 
So from her excerpt, when Arnie said like, yeah, okay, I'll take you to Boston if you can do this. She says that she immediately thought, quote, hot damn, I have a coach, a training partner, a plan and a goal. The biggest race in the world, Boston. Hot damn. Hot damn. <laughs> I love her. One of my favorite um, just moments from Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Oh, the three hot, hot dams. Yeah. So yeah. good. Um, okay, so three weeks before the marathon, um, she and Arnie do their trial 26.2 casual mile run, right? Okay. To see if she can even do it. Arnie still doesn't believe that she can do it. Doctors had, like, told her that it was, like, physically impossible for women to run that far because their uterus would fall out. That is the kind of absolute bullshit that was getting thrown around in the 60s. I mean, I was taught in school in the 90s and 2000s that women had more ribs than men. Oh, my God. I hate it here. Yeah. <laughs> I hate it here. Yeah. Okay. So so I would have believed someone if they were like, you can't run that far. Your ears will fall out. You're, like, you're probably drop. right. We'll drop right out your butt. I hate running anyways. <laughs> um, so, okay. So towards the end of their 26.2 mile run. She felt like it was too easy. She felt like the Boston Marathon was going to be a lot harder. So she suggests to Arnie um, that they add five miles on to make sure that she's really ready for it. And Arnie's like, okay, fine. Let's he's do it. He's exhausted. His uterus is Yeah, he's like wiped out. This is like this dude in his 50s. And he's like, fuck, man. Okay, fine. Yeah, let's do it. So um, she said that at the end in the last like two miles or so, Arnie was looking really gray. <laughs> and when they finished, she went and hugged Arnie because she's stoked. She's like, well, great. I get to fucking go to the marathon. She hugged Arnie and he passed out. <laughs> well, it's because his testes fell out of his butt. <laughs> and then the next day, so he passes out the next morning, he shows up at her dorm and is like, all right, you have to, you have to register for that race. Like you, it would be a travesty if you didn't run that race. Um, Catherine had brought up to Arnie, uh, about when he was like, oh, well, a woman can't run the race. She was like, hmm, this lady, Roberta Gibb already kind of did it, but it was because she had just done what Catherine used to do the, to the men's team. And she had just run the race without registering. She had Is just, that... she had physically run it, but not technically run it because she had not technically registered. She didn't have numbers. So Nobody knew that she was running it. She just had done. Um, and Arnie thought that that was a travesty, but not because she was a woman, because she did not register. And he thought that was, he thought that that defeated the point of doing their sport. Um, if you were going to be doing it professionally, you should register and support it because registers have fees. And so that way you're actually funding the Even race that you are part of. Uterus falls out your butt. Yeah, so I love that his, like, principle was, like, no, we need to be funding this, not, like, I don't, give, I don't care that she's a lady, but she did it wrong. Um, he also said that it would be, like, an insult to the Amateur Athletic Union, which was part of, uh, which is what they were part of as Syracuse University, and he was, like, also, if they get pissed at you, it could fuck up you running forever, right. like, sure. so do it the right way. And she was, like, yeah, okay, so her and Arnie go through the rules for the Boston Marathon and there's no mention of gender. So they're like, great, let's do it. So she signs up as KV Switzer. Um, and that was it. Like they didn't have to, it's not like today where you have to like provide time trials and all sure. this. Like it was just like, all right, yep. So they had, she had to get checked out by a doctor and that was about it. Um, 
I say that like I know that you have to provide time trials and stuff. I'm like, oh, yeah, tell me about it. Oh, yeah, yeah those time trials. I, I totally I get it. I, totally I do it all the time. Um, so her boyfriend, her boyfriend, Tom Miller, um, whose nickname was Big Tom Miller because he was an ex, like, all-American football player. Like, he was famous for, like, some crazy, like, football tackling moves. Like, he's just this huge dude. Um, and their friend, John Leonard, who was part of the Syracuse men's running team they were both like hey that sounds fun like we'll do it too so now they've got this like crew all kind of gathered around Catherine doing it it's just a crew of dudes and Catherine, and they're all like very large one a huge one um and they're all like great we're gonna fucking run the marathon so they're like they're like driving up okay wait there's a great um quote one of the articles that i used was from forbes and there's a great quote from there but it's very long so I didn't want to just write it down. So I've got a screenshot of it. Um, So she said about running the marathon, she said, quote, I wasn't trying to prove anything. I loved running and knew that for others who had run Boston, it was a great experience. Back then there was no New York, Chicago or London marathon. And outside the Olympics for runners, Boston was the big baby and a special thing. I wanted to be part of it. Like, she's just like, yeah, I didn't, wasn't trying to do anything. I just wanted to run this race. So, um, so they make the drive to Boston um, she's issued bib number 261 on the day of the race. There are 741 people running and she is the only woman, the only one. So she talks about how, like at the starting line, like all of these dudes were like really impressed that she was there. Like they all had the same reaction of Arnie and they were like, this is, this is great. Like, can you get my wife into running? Cause like, I love running and it'd be fun to run with her. And like, so like she said that, um, one dude even had his wife like take a picture of them at the starting line. Cause it was Aww. so like dudes thought it was awesome, which is so not what I expected <laughs> from that story. Yeah. Um, but there was some worry from her companions that there was going to be a bit of harassment. She wore lipstick on the day, which is so cute. Um, and her boyfriend told her to take it off because somebody might see she's a girl and not let her run. And she was like, no, fuck you. I'm not taking off my lipstick. Like, no, it's, It'll be Is fine. Is that the only thing that would have given her away? <laughs> I don't know. I have no idea. Interesting. So, um, so they start running. It's fine. Everything's going great. Then mile four hits. Okay. So mile four is when a like van of press people catch up to the runners and they're all taking photos of her and of her crew and they all laugh and they say that it's their hi mom on the nightly news moment which is like such a good description of that so they all think it's like fun whatever um and there's like all these reporters and they're like shouting out questions to her and like asking her why she's doing it she's like because i like running (laughs) like that's that's it um and so she's like kind of distracted by that and so she looks up and there's this dude in the middle of the road uh wearing oh I thought I wrote down what he was wearing he's wearing like a trench coat or something like very bizarre (laughs) and he's like pointing at her and like like shouting at her but he she thought for a second like oh maybe he's you know flasher you know like a spectator or something that's like cheering us on and we're just too far away to hear him um and as she passes him he reaches out and tries to get her hand um like tries to grab her hand and like stop her but he only got her gloves so she like kind of freaked out and kept running thought it was weird and then she said that she um heard somebody like running really quick up behind her and said that it was like she was like it it felt like 
like how I would feel if there was like a rabid dog chasing me. She said that it was that level of like adrenaline. She heard somebody like rushing up behind her and she turns right as he grabs her shoulder and like pulls her back and he yells in her face, get the hell out of my race and give me those numbers. So he's like trying to grab the like bib off of her shirt. Um, And so she like turns around so that he can't get the one on the front, but then she's also got the numbers on her back. back. So he's trying to grab them off of there. Arnie is behind her, like yelling at this dude. Um, He's yelling at her. Like he's yelling at this guy, like jock, I trained her. She's fine. Like she's registered. She's doing this the right way. We check the rules, like fucking back off. Um, and this dude just like keeps coming and has her by the shirt. Like he's holding onto her shirt. Um, and then fucking her gigantic boyfriend yes. comes out of nowhere and tackles this guy. Yes. Um, sends him flying. And she saw him laying on the side of the road. And then for the next like mile was stressed out that they had killed him and that they were going to be arrested at the end. So she's like freaking out. Um, that's the also, only good thing race, that her boyfriend did. Like, my race? So, okay. he's the race manager. Oh, my God. He's the race manager, a man named Jock Simple. Um, Jock Simple? Simple. S-E. I was like, my Real dude, close. too easy. Come yeah. on. <laughs> um, so, as she's going, I've got another long quote. Uh So she said, as she's going, um, she is stressed out. She's scared. She's embarrassed because there was all these fucking reporters that were there. Like, that's why we have so many photos of it is because they were being followed by a van of reporters. Um, So she said, quote, if I knew I quit, nobody would ever believe that women had the capability to run 26 plus miles. If I quit, everybody would say it was a publicity stunt. If I quit, it would set back women's sports way back instead of forward. If I quit, I'd never run Boston. If I quit, Jock Semple and all of those would like him would win. My fear and humiliation turned to anger. So then she's like mad and running. (laughs) As she's like running, she's like thinking about all this. And this happened at mile four. Like, she's a long way to go yeah so then she's like you know getting just mentally exhausted by the whole thing the reporters eventually realize that she's not going to answer any questions about it so they ditch um so then it's just her and arnie and her boyfriend tom and their friend john and um knocking jock simple off is like the only good thing that tom miller does in this race he like gets really pissed at her that um it's going to ruin his chances to get to the Olympics. And she's like, I didn't tackle the guy. Like, what are you talking about? I was running in this race that you encouraged me for. So then he like runs off. So then she's worried that they broke up. Like it's a whole thing. He's the worst. Um, so it turns out Jock Simple, uh, he's the race manager. Um, he was fine and alive. Um, he, he caught up to them because he had hitched a ride on somebody's car and only yelled at them as he passed that they were all in big trouble. Like, okay, you got, um, you're like, in trouble. I love that he was like, not even brave enough to get out of the car. Yeah. Cause he had just gotten his shit. Just, Oh, so good. Um, so luckily none of them were arrested. Um, at four hours and 20 minutes, she finished the Boston marathon. She was the first woman to officially finish. Um, 
she it's cute too because so like tom like runs ahead and like ditches them so then it's just her and her friend john and arnie and she had told arnie like listen man i'm even if you can't do this i have to finish this and i'm going to finish it on my hands and knees if i have to but i'm i'm finishing this and arnie's like i'm with you like let's fucking do it and so he's like okay well if that's the energy that we're bringing to this we need to slow down like we need to start kind of pacing ourselves more it's we're not worried about time anymore we're worried about just crossing the finish line and so um as they were coming up uh Catherine and John were like okay Arnie you've got to finish first like you have to be the one go ahead of us we'll slow down you have to finish first and he's like no no no. we're gonna we're gonna do it all together it's gonna be great like we did the whole race together they didn't walk a single time like they did the whole thing and her and John like made eye contact behind Arnie and right at the finish line, both of them dropped back so that he still crossed oh. first. Cause I'm like, Oh my God, they're all just friends. <laughs> so cute. Um, so after her run, the amateur athletics union banned women from participating oh in men's God. races because they saw this whole thing happen and like blah, blah, blah. Um, Catherine and a whole bunch of other female runners were like, that's bullshit. So in 1972, they then established a women's race of the Boston Marathon, which like, okay. How many years later is that? Four years later? Five, five years later. Um, so it turns out the only reason that she was not refused at the beginning when she first registered is because she had signed her name KV Switzer Mm -hmm. instead of actually writing out her name. And she, kind of laughs about it and it's like, yeah, the only reason I did that is because my dad misspelled my name on my birth certificate. So it's just easier to write my initials. She was like, since I learned how to write, I would just write my initials. Like that wasn't me trying to pull the wool over anybody's eyes. It's just how I write my name. So she was like, yeah, cool. But that's the whole reason any of this happened. Um, but that's just the beginning because she's the best. 1974, she wins the New York City Marathon women's race. Um, she is named as the female runner of the decade from 1967 to 1977 by Runner's World magazine and then becomes a commentator for marathons. She won an Emmy for her work commenting, commentating on the, uh, 84 Olympics women's marathon. She won an Emmy for that. So our lady is not only a great runner, but also a literal Emmy winner. Didn't she have a double major in journalism and right lit. so like right. yeah makes sense yeah and that's and she was like super interested in all of the questions that all the reporters were asking her mm-hmm. not because she wanted to answer them but because that's what she wanted to be doing right <laughs> so um so on the 40th anniversary of her run um her big legendary run she published the memoir marathon woman uh, which I'm going to order immediately because yeah. I could not stop reading this it was like a long excerpt um She said, quote, when I go to the Boston Marathon now, I have wet shoulders. Women fall into my arms crying. They're weeping for joy because running has changed their lives. They feel like they can do anything. (laughs) My dude. So she's inducted to the National Women's Hall of Fame in 2011. Um, In 2015, she launched a nonprofit called 261 Fearless because that was her bib number. Um, and it was, it is a nonprofit that focuses on, uh, using running to empower women and to help women actually like use that time as like kind of, you know, a meditation almost of like, Hey, this can be like hundred percent 
not only is it good for you, but it also can be like a mentally very healthy thing to do. Right. Um, so 2017, she is 70. She ran the Boston Marathon once more. Nope. She, she got bid number 261. Yes. It was the 50th anniversary of her run. And after that race, the Boston Athletic Association retired the bib number in her honor. <gasps> the only 261. You can't have that number anymore. Awesome. Um, also in 2017, that Boston Marathon. So in uh, 1967, she was the only woman to run. In 2017, 50 years after being the only woman in the race, she was joined by 13,700 women. It made Hell up almost yes. half of the race. Hell yes. Mm. Today, she is 73 and she is living her best life. She's still alive. I love She's it. Doing her thing. I love She's it. The coolest. Yeah. Dude. Dude. Yeah. And that is the legendary story of that crazy photo. That crazy photo. It's a crazy photo. It's so it's, upsetting. It's so crazy. Um, that's our gal, Catherine Switzer. Wow. That's really cool. Catherine misspelled. That's so cool. I had yeah. no, I mean, I've seen yeah. that photo a hundred times and I had no idea. So many times the story behind it. Yeah. It's the race manager. And like, and like the idea, the idea too, that all of the dudes at the starting line were stoked. Like for it. Yeah. Is so, it makes that story so much more of a bummer that like, like her, every- her initial, the initial thing that her first like impression of the Boston Marathon was all of these dudes that were so stoked and so like, this is great. Like, this is the, this is something that should be happening. Like, why yeah. is this not happening? And, like, and then, her coach and her friend and her boyfriend, like, yeah, I boyfriend mean, to a lesser degree, but, but like, still. still they like supported her and wanted her to do it. Like mm-hmm. you don't get any of that from that photo. Obviously. No. And she called, photo, but. she talks about how she called her dad. Same thing with your lady where, like right before the race, she called him and she was like, I don't know if I can do this. And he was like, yeah, you can. You've been training for so long. Like yeah, you absolutely you do. can do this. Yeah. And she said that she just kept thinking about that while she was running, like the overwhelming support from everybody. And then to have this dude come in at mile four. And then that's all that she was thinking about for the rest of the race. And yeah. she said that she said that like by the end of it, um, she, could feel the blisters on her feet and everything. And it was just like, I don't really give a shit about the pain. Cause that's just like a part of running. Cause running is the worst. And, right. um, she was like, no, I just need to finish. And by the time she, she crossed the finish line, they've got like doctors at the end because, right. Because a marathon, crazy, it's a crazy amount to do. Um, and she was kind of limping and the doctors were like, let me see your foot. And she was like, no, no, I'm fine. And she was, they were like, no, like let us see your feet. And she took off her socks and just blood poured out. Like she just had so much. She couldn't, they had to bandage her feet so much. She couldn't put her shoes back on. She's just wandering around barefoot at the finish line because she could not put her shoes back on. Nope. Like that, that lady, I can't even imagine. That's your first big race. That's your first one. Dude. Yeah. Yep. Um, To source my shit real quick. Most of it is from, marathon woman her story yeah Uh, 
Wikipedia, uh, and then there's that Forbes article, Catherine Switzer Talks Boston Marathon 1967 and Now. It's written by Andy Fry. Wow. That's Catherine Switzer. That's really cool. Hero of the Boston Marathon. Seriously. Wow. Talk yeah. about, like, perseverance, man. Ooh, man. Dude. That would be such a... Having that be your first experience at a race would be so... It would be more than enough reason to be like, well, I guess I'm never doing this again. Yeah. Wash my <laughs> hands. all of this. <laughs> Dude. But, yeah. Dude. That's so cool. I love her. Seriously. Yawn. <laughs> Why would you... <laughs> the reason I moved away from my microphone... Uh, who is your babe this week? My babe is the king. Oh, I know. I know. Chadwick Boseman, man. Yeah. I, it's, it's been rough this week to try and like make sense of this in my head. It would be a devastating loss ever. Yeah. But it is somehow so much worse right now. It's yeah. Um and he means so much to the next generation. Yeah. He means so much to the young black boys and girls growing up who that's the first taste of that kind of representation and then to have it ripped away at 43 dude I just he one of my friends here in Chicago last this this last winter was in um a raisin in the sun and he his nephew was in it and so he came to see it and he went backstage at intermission And my friend was really frazzled and she had had a rough act one. And so she was like freaking out. And her friend was like, hey, you guys want to meet my uncle? And she was like, dude, like I'm not in the space to meet anybody right now. Like I can't, you know, whatever. And Chadwick came back there and like was super gracious and gave them all notes. And they all took a picture or whatever. And he left and she was like, man, what do I know that guy from? And one of the cast members was like, are you kidding me? (laughs) <laughs> that's King T'Challa my dude and she was like the Black Panther was just and like fucking freaked out right but I I cannot imagine having a secret battle like that while being so constantly giving of your time and your creativity and your everything when you know how little you have yeah. I, I just like it's it's been a little unreal, like yeah. very a little surreal that it's actually happening mm-hmm. this week. And we watched Black Panther and Infinity War a couple nights ago. And we're we're gonna watch Endgame, and it's just like I'm really really glad that he was able to make those, and that we have this immortalized. Yeah version of him and 42 and you know all of the other really incredible 
projects that he's lent his talent to. I'm I'm so, so thankful for what we have, and I cannot imagine what his family feels right now, who knew him as Chadwick and yeah. not King T'Challa and stuff, but it's been rough. It's been... Yeah. And I'm so, so thankful, but I'm just really, really fucking heartbroken over it. That's a good one. So, you know. Wakanda forever, my dude. Mm-hmm. Who's your babe? <laughs> um, I think my babe has to be sweet Joanna Castle Miller. Um, dude. We have, since quarantine started, March 17th, uh, we have missed one week of phone calls with her. Wow. Um, we call her every week. Um, I've We've never physically met her husband, Michael, but you know, feel like we know him. <laughs> yeah, you know, um, it's, it's been really great, uh, getting to talk to her all the time. And, um, we both laugh that like, you know, it's, it's the kind of phone call where like, it's, it's never, <laughs> we're never really like, how are you? Like, how are things going? It's always just like, man, shit sucks. Right. Yeah, and dude. it's just, thing of like not having anybody be like yeah but like what about this like no it sucks and it's just nice to have somebody that can just you just acknowledge like yeah it's it fucking sucks right now um and it's just been like this really nice constant thing that we've had and yeah I just am such a fan the I, I mean last week really sucked shit like really hard and uh I called her on Sunday and I was feeling pretty rough and like I almost canceled and then I was like no like Joanna's had a really hard day too it it, this is going to be really great and as soon as she picked up the phone I was like oh my god I'm so So glad glad I did this yeah this is happening and then like it just we ended up talking for like two and a half hours and it was just so nice and it's just that's always what it feels like it just always feels like not it doesn't always feel like oh maybe I should cancel it always feels like no 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 yes just really it's just a really great she's a great person and it's it's very cool that uh we know her and are good friends with her and that she like wants to like talk to us she's so fucking cool constantly like why are you spending your time talking to me like you should be talking to cool people but anyway um big shout out to her she's been my babe before for similar reasons but it's just worth restating all the time absolutely (laughs) also her post about that spider today or yesterday i will have nightmares about forever so it's horrible i know i cannot imagine seeing it in real life another day the other day we called her and she <laughs> we were like talking and there was this really loud really loud like buzzing noise and I was like what is that and she was like oh yeah no a mosquito just flew by my computer and it's big enough that you could hear it it's like I I hate that for you yeah well wow. I hate that for you and I can't wait until you're home <laughs> dude so yes. yeah she's the best she's my babe as she should be. Heck yeah. Shoot dang. Shoot dang. Another one. In the books. This is our, these are our uh, 85th and 86th babes. Other than like the groups of babes. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. 
Evan is really quietly slicing green onions and keeps like looking over and being like, I'm sorry. I'm like, I can't hear you. You're fine. I'm physically in the same room as you and I can't hear you. <laughs> Gentlest little slices. <laughs> what are you making? What are you making? Food. All right. Sure. 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 Damn, dude. This was great. This was great. As usual. Had a it's great time. A long one and a good one. Yep. Oh, God. Yeah. It's been a good time. I just checked the time. Over two hours. Thank you very much. Love it. We finally hit it. Well. I love you. I love you. Barf. I know. Real gross. Avoid all of those feelings. Yeah. Terrible. Yeah. Huge fan of this. Uh, yeah. And I'll, oh my God, see you next week. Yeah. You'll see me real soon, dude. Ew, what the fuck? We will not touch and we will be far apart, but you will see me in the flesh. Yeah, anybody listening, don't worry. I'm going to see Reagan from across the parking lot. Really (laughs) gross. I'm really bummed at myself that I just used the word flesh, but yeah, Yeah. Yeah, it's going to happen. I can't wait. I cannot wait. Wait. I'm so excited. Okay. Oh, we're also going to have, we're not going to have to record next week because we're going to have a super special. Oh, yeah, we have a day. Family friendly. All right. Bye. (laughs) I'll talk to you soon.